Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 64, Picture Gorge Basalt. Thanks for listening. Hey man, it's been two months since the last time that I was with you here in this audio podcast form. I apologize. I have tons of excuses, but none of them really feel great. So let's just say that uh, it's been a very busy two months and the weather has been ideal here. Springtime has arrived. Uh, Depending on the day, it almost feels like summertime around here. And my cue to sit down and uh, rejoin you here in the uh, podcast recording studios, a.k.a. the um, basement, (laughs) the cue is uh, crappy weather. Uh, It's not snowing, but I mean, it's uh, cool and windy and rainy, and I'm like, uh, hey, feels like winter. I guess I should record a podcast. So, uh, as usual, I can't predict the future. I can't promise all sorts of regularity, and you certainly know of that by now, but I'm I'm glad that you found found the podcast here today and uh, hope that... uh, um, Hope that I could offer a few new ideas, a few new thoughts. Uh, we will be getting to the Picture Gorge basalts and some exciting new research, and that's coming in just a couple of minutes. But of course, I have to do a little preamble, as is the pattern lately with these audio uh, episodes. Uh, what have I been doing since last February, and do you care? Oh, I don't know if you care or not. I don't know if I care or not, but let's go ahead and I feel like I want to say a couple things. Uh, wrapped up the uh, winter quarter, which got us to mid-March. Uh, that was Geology 101, and uh, those live streams went well. The administration uh, was aware of what I was doing and uh, did not step in and say that I'm violating all sorts of rules. So thanks to the administration at CWU for allowing me to do that. We can use the pandemic as an excuse, I guess, uh, since some students were locked down. Spring break, I visited my mother down in Scottsdale, Arizona, and most of our family got together, uh, all of us doubly vaccinated, and uh, it was uh, wonderful to see everybody again in the flesh and hugging and the whole thing. So uh, that that was wonderful, of course, and spent some time in Sedona, Arizona. And then uh, Liz and I flew back, and uh, back to the factory we went. Um, In the case of my spring quarter, uh, I'm teaching Geology 351, and some of you have been joining us because, again, I'm live streaming. These are Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific time, and I'm back to the more advanced content um, with these uh, juniors and seniors who are geology majors here at the university. Um, and so it's really a kind of a combination. These Geology 351 live streams have, uh, and they're all available on YouTube if you've been unaware, and and you are interested in watching in video form, I have heard from a number of you, and you say, you know, I think I've said this before, many of you are audio people only. You, you, got, you got lives? You, you don't have time to sit down and watch something for 30 minutes even, or an hour, or more than an hour. And I totally understand that. So you listen, and you exclusively listen. Totally fine. Great. I, would get, I, I totally get that. I, I might have the same approach if I was in your shoes. Um, and also, that reminds me that the last time I was with you, I actually requested, I had to go back and listen to it, I actually requested that some of you leave reviews 
on uh, Apple Podcasts. I was kind of inspired by this college basketball podcast I was listening to back in the the the, the heart of winter. Um, and I did look at those reviews just the other day. I'm like, wow, a bunch of people took the time to do that. And of course, you had wonderful things to say. Not of course, but you had wonderful things to say. So thank you for documenting that. I don't know if that really does help the reach of this geology podcast. Um, but anyway, that was wonderful. Uh, the 351 live stream is, is going very, very well. We have a good group. Uh, we're combining field experiences with classroom experiences and brand new scientific papers. And I'm looking like a dumbass half the time uh, as the live stream is unfolding because I get caught in things that I'm not bright enough to think about quickly. But that's all part of the, the charm of the thing, I guess. And so, last preamble... Uh, last couple times, I think I was with you back in February, if you recall, I had a bright idea that I was going to read a paper, uh, share my thoughts with you first, then go to the live streams or the classroom and, and polish it up a little bit. Well, uh, uh, it's not going to happen that way. Uh, I guess I, I just, uh, most of my energy goes to preparing for class, class or the live streams, class is the video part of this. And so... I'm afraid this audio thing, at least for the foreseeable future, will be more of this... Oh, I hate that phrase, by the way. My God, how many times have we heard that in the last year and a half? Foreseeable future. Anyway, um, I'm going to play catch up again with you guys here in audio land. In other words, I, I've been breaking some new ground. I'm quite pleased and excited with what we've been doing in 351, and I want to share what I've been doing kind of like I was playing catch up with the exotic terrain series, if you recall that. So enough of the preambles, let's get to it. Uh, I did an audio and video podcast uh, by Emily. It was the, the episode was called Emily Cahoon. I don't know if you remember it. I think it was January of 2020, before the pandemic, of course. And I was experimenting back there. Uh, she was the one that inspired me to try this. She said, uh, I've got an idea for your podcast. She uh, was finishing up her doctorate at Portland State University on some geochemistry of some of the Columbia River basalts. And she said, by, I'd never met her. And she said by email, um, how about we do a video podcast on Zoom? And I had no idea what she was talking <laughs> She had no idea what she was talking about. What is this Zoom thing you're talking about? I'd never used it before. It was January of 2020. Of course, we're all sick of and tired of Zoom by now. But anyway, so you might have a good memory, or maybe you remember seeing the Emily Cahoon podcast on my YouTube channel. Either one. But with the 351, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew, well, no, I did know what I wanted to do. The target, the target uh, time window and the target area, physical area, for the Geology 351 class this spring is between 60 and 40 million years ago in an area between Ellensburg, Wenatchee, and Leavenworth, a little triangle. Leavenworth, Wenatchee, Ellensburg. We were just over hiking with 
the class over on top of Saddle Rock overlooking Wenatchee yesterday morning. Randy Lewis, Native American, joined us for a while. I thought maybe he'd want to hike, but he's not feeling up to that sort of thing these days. Totally great. All right. Um, so that's the target, and I didn't want to just open the can of worms right away. In other words, I've got these kids for whatever it is, 10 weeks, and we're doing two live streams a week, and so we're reading scientific papers together, and they're required to participate in class. And You might check some of those out if, if this at all sounds interesting to you. It's a, it's a decent complement to what I will try to do with you here in the next few episodes, the audio podcast episodes. But anyway, I didn't know how to start. And so I kind of just went week to week. I'm still going week to week. And I thought, well, let me see if I can find any new exciting research on the Columbia River Basalt Group. And I didn't have to think very hard about it before remembering that Emily Cahoon had these strange dates and these strange messages about her uh, doctoral research on the picture gorge basalts. We're finally to the topic today. So... You know, a simple Google of Picture Gorge Basalts lets you know, first of all, that there's a place called Picture Gorge. It's near Dayville, Oregon. It's a really cool area of Oregon, by the way. It's like a blast from the past. These dinky little towns, Dayville, and I can't even name a bunch of them, but there's a town called John Day. There's a town called, um, <laughs> drawing a blank right now, Mitchell, I guess, um, and so we're down in the John Day country with fossils, and uh, I know very little of that area. And I, I, I think I can, I think I can picture picture gorge. Har har har. I think I can picture that. I think it's that incredible slot canyon that's uh, very near when you drive between Dayville and the visitor center. One of the visitor centers at John Day. Anyway, you, I'm sure you're screaming at me right now. Of course it is, you dumbass. Oh, got to watch my language here. Sorry, Patrick. Anyway, you, you, you Google picture gourds basalts, and you're like, okay, so there's some of the flood basalts of the Columbia River Basalt Group there in, uh, in central Oregon, exposed in the picture gorge. Okay, fine. And historically, a.k.a. traditionally, the picture gorge basalts have been lumped in with the Grand Ronde lavas, and that is the main phase of the Columbia River basalts. Do you need a primer? I don't think we do, do we? We've talked about these enough. We're talking about the flood basalts of the inland Pacific Northwest. We're talking about these incredible feeder dikes that are feeding individual flows. Columbia River basalt group as a whole, three miles thick, a German chocolate cake is my annoying analogy for it. Annoying because I overuse it, the analogy. But the Grand Ronde lavas are the main phase, and it's always been a bit of a puzzle as to why the main phase of the flood basalts are not uh, uh, tied to the Yellowstone hotspot track because most everybody now is tying these flood basalts timing-wise, and now even spatially, to the Yellowstone hotspot track. And Vic Camp from San Diego State University, who we'll talk about probably in the next episode, he's been featured in the 351 live streams, his papers. Uh, Vic Camp came up with this uh, work uh, 
10, 15 years ago now that the earliest feeder dikes, the earliest fissures that the earliest cracks that started opening up and, and these flood basalts came out were down in northern Nevada and southeast, extreme southeastern Oregon. The Steens. And then there's oh a few more cracks that open and we're getting younger in time now and uh, we're a little bit further north in eastern Oregon. Hope you're following me to the Amnaha lavas. Then we get to the Grand Ronde lavas, which is the main phase. But those feeder dikes, those cracks, are typically mapped in central to northeastern Oregon. Even a few getting into southeastern Washington. And then we finish the story with the Wanapums in the. Saddle Mountains, where we have exclusively Washington lavas. Okay, here's the big point of the episode today. Emily Cahoon has done some new sampling in the Picture Gorge basalts, which everybody, I guess, assumed were Grand Ronde lavas, were part of the main phase. But there's new techniques now, and she got her dates not from individual plagioclase phenocrysts that you could pluck out of the Grand Ronde lavas or the Picture Gorge basalt lavas in this case, but she was, don't ask me for details now, but she was working with the ground mass, meaning that the, 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 the teeny tiny microscopic crystals that formed very, very quickly in the, the latest stages of the eruption Somehow those were giving more complete, more accurate, less uh, error, uh, ages with, with, with a tighter error bar window. Boy, awkward there. And her earliest picture gorge basalts are older than 17 million years old. Now that is a headline. I mean, we continue to change these numbers with the ages of the flood basalt event in the Pacific Northwest because the dating continues to improve. Again, not my specialty, but potassium argon dates were all the rage 30 years ago, as I understand it. Well, now we got argon argon dates, and now we're getting dates out of the um, ground mass as opposed to the phenocrysts. And then, oh, wait a minute, what's this? We have a, an interbed between basalts, and the interbed is silicic. In other words, it's, it's, it's got higher silica, and it's maybe an explosive event, and we can find some zircons in those uh, silicic interbeds. Well, the zircons are going to give us this very impressive high-precision uranium lead dates with these laughably tiny error bars. Well, Emily wasn't doing the zircon work. That was Jennifer Kasbaum at Princeton. Uh, but between Jennifer Kasbaum and Emily Cahoon, uh, we have a new round of dates. And again, what's the main headline? The picture gorge, not again, I'm telling you for the first time. The picture gorge basalts are not, according to Emily's work, tied to the Grand Ronde lavas. Instead, because they're so old, starting 17.25 million years ago. They're down in the earliest phases of the Columbia River Basalt event. And because there is a growing number of samples 
all through eastern Oregon, not just extreme southeastern Oregon and down into northern Nevada. Let me say it differently. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit awkward here right now. Let me, let me try again. As I have spoke about the Columbia River basalt, it was always a mystery, and I would teach it this way. It was always a mystery that the first cracks that would show up 16.8 million years ago were in extreme southeastern Oregon. Then the cracks start propagating north. By the time we get to the Grand Ronde, we're between 16.5 and 16.1 million years ago, and that's the main phase. But the question was always, the mystery was always, why isn't the main phase right off the bat? This is a flood basalt area. Whatever's causing this flood basalt, you would think, wouldn't you, that the the maximum output, the biggest volumes of mafic magma would be right away. And I don't know anything about the flood basalts of India or Siberia or the central Atlantic magmatic province, whatever. But I get the impression that those flood basalts have their main phase right away, and then they kind of finish with a whimper. It was always a mystery. Why is the main phase of the CRBs not right away? Well, now, according to Jennifer and Emily and Aaron Steiner at Washington State University and Ashley Steiner, it's looking like there's a much larger footprint. That's Jennifer's phrase. Uh, sorry, that's Emily's phase. A wider footprint of main phase. A wider physical area that was experiencing lots of basaltic and even silicic volcanic activity early on. Starting 17.25 million years ago and continuing till, I don't know, 16 point, I don't have the dates in front of me. But it's a significant change in the story in two ways, as I'm trying to convey to you here in this episode. The first major change in the story is that the picture gorge basalts are lumped in with the Steens lavas, which are the earliest lavas, and that does not appear to be a kind of warm-up initial phase that's minor. That's the way it's always been taught and written about in scientific papers. The second main message is that even though we're we're starting earlier, we're also pretty dramatically varied in our silica content. I mean, what's the area called? The Columbia River Basalt Group. And there are individual formations within the basalt group, and each formation has individual members. And the impression to pretty much everybody, including me, is that, you know, it's a bunch of basalt. Oh, well, then maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, I heard, well, wait a minute now. Um, John Wolfe and others at Washington State and Martin Streck and, and, and others have been doing some geochemical work. And they noticed that the main phase, the Grand Ronde lavas, are, are actually basaltic andesites. Actually, actually, they're not basalts. They're basaltic andesites, meaning they have a little bit more than more silica than the rest of the basalts. Instead of 45% silica, maybe they've got 49 or 51%. There's a little, they're a little stiffer. They're a little, little more uh, viscous. Okay, well, you know, 
I would rarely throw that in with my teaching, but if somebody really pressed me, I said, yeah, I think the main phase has got a little bit more silica in it. So what? Oh, my God. If you look at all these strawberry volcanics in this newly found caldera called the Castle, Castle Rock caldera, I think, Castle Garden caldera, Castle something caldera near Vale, V-A-L-E, Oregon, There's a bimodal volcanic story here. What a shocker. That's the best way for me to summarize what I'm trying to say with this episode. I guess I called the picture Gorge Basalts. But I really want to lump the picture Gorge Basalts into a bunch of other new and exciting work. I'll give you the names one more time. Jennifer Cosbaum, Emily Cahoon, Aaron Steiner, Martin Streck. Who did I forget? John Wolf. I suppose you can Google and find those names if you wanted to read the papers. Or actually, actually, I have a running list of available scientific papers accessible to you for free if this turns you on. If you go to nickzentner.com, I'm not going to be selling you hats and T-shirts, man. I'm not asking for money. I'm not doing any no money stuff. You know that, man. No money. That... That dirties our relationship. I don't want a dirty relationship. Oh, boy. I want it to be pure, wholesome. But if you go to nickzentner.com and you look in the upper, very upper right-hand corner of that page, click on 351, and you'll get to our course webpage for this Geology 351 class this spring. I suppose I'll keep it up even past this spring if you happen to hear this beyond uh, April 2021, today's date, April 24th, 2021. Um, Go there, click on it, you'll see all these papers. You'll see Emily Cahoon's Picture Gorge Basalt paper. You can download it. You can print it out if you're an old person like I am. Print it out, man. Get your red pen and go crazy. Go get your highlighter. But those names I just rattled off are all there. And some are required reading for the students, and they have to be ready to discuss them in class. It's taught like a graduate-level seminar, but it's, you know, it's 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. It's, it's, we have a good thing going, but uh, you know, it takes a while to develop that kind of a commitment with a group, especially when the weather's beautiful. But we're all there in person. It's a good, it's a good gig. So that's my best way, in, in addition to, if you wanted to, watching the live streams, the first four or five live streams that I've done this, this uh, spring quarter. Uh, we'll really flesh that out. But we did some stuff on the chalkboard, and we just kind of played with the idea that here's a theme, and the theme will continue to be used in Geology 351 this quarter. The theme is bimodal volcanism. The theme is having... Uh, an episode of volcanic activity where you have both high silica and low silica lavas coming out of the same system. Why is that? What's the tectonic explanation? That's how we'll finish this audio episode. Hmm. Sure. Um, Vic Camp, who I mentioned earlier, also his paper with uh, Ray Wells is at the 351 website. Brand new paper came out just a couple months ago called Long Lived Yellowstone Hotspot. 
We're going to finish this audio episode by landing where we finally landed in the 351 live stream class, and that is that there's good evidence now that the subducted Farallon plate, yeah, subduction. I thought we were talking about the Yellowstone hotspot. Well, we are as the ultimate source, the Yellowstone mantle plume, the ultimate source for these Columbia River basalt lavas, including the picture gorge basalt, starting 17.25 million years ago. But hang on now. We are in a time and a place where we have a subducting ocean plate offshore. That's the Farallon plate. Subducting, this huge piece of sheet metal is subducting Over the Yellowstone hotspot, the Yellowstone hotspot is a mantle plume coming from extreme depth. Seems like most of the geophysicists now see that the mantle plumes are pretty much fixed and pretty much coming all the way from the core mantle boundary. Coming, This mantle plume is coming all the way up through the mantle. It's not starting in the mantle. It's starting at the base of the mantle. And so here comes this blowtorch all the way up through the mantle and through the crust, or affecting the crust. But in our case here in this episode, we have the subducting ocean plate nearby called the Farallon plate that's going to be angling down beneath eastern Oregon. And the frickin' Farallon plate's going to block that hot mantle. It's going to block the Yellowstone hotspot from getting to the surface. I'm tipping my hat to the next episode, but there's a gap. There's a quiet time where we don't have volcanism in eastern Oregon between 20 and 17 million years ago. But then about 17 million years ago, when we start Emily Cahoon's Picture Gorge Basalts and the rest of the Steens lavas in eastern Washington, the Albor Desert, the whole thing, the tectonic model of Vic Camp and Ray Wells is that the Yellowstone hotspot, which had been pooling its mantle, if you can visualize that, it's not really liquid, but we're just, we're just kind of creating a dam. The Farallon plate is acting like a dam and preventing a bunch of this Yellowstone mantle plume material to get to the surface. So it pools underneath that subducted old uh, Farallon plate until finally there's a breach. We're going to actually burn a hole. It's a little too simplistic, but we're going to burn a hole through the Farallon plate and we're going to have a a flare-up. We're going to have a, a big batch of far-reaching 17-million-year-old rhyolites and basalts in eastern Washington, including, you guessed it, the Picture Gorge basalt. If those are just words, and they just ran right through you without sticking, I guess you owe yourself a few visuals. And those visuals can come either by going to the papers at nicksentner.com, upper right-hand corner, 351, click on it, or, and or, go to my YouTube channel, find the Geology 351 live streams, and knock yourself out. Dear listener, I think that's the end of this one called Picture Gorge Basalt. I thought I would spend the whole time just talking about Emily, but I think... It makes more sense to group a few of those live streams together. So I kind of did that on the fly, and maybe it worked for you. I hope it did. Thank you for listening. 
I feel like I need to promise that I'll be doing audio podcasts more regularly this spring. I don't know. I guess we'll wait for bad weather. <laughs> if we got weekends and it's gloomy and wet, then, uh, then yours truly will be uh, laying these down. And if it's sunny and beautiful, I suppose I should still get in the habit of doing this more often. So I'll try to do better. Thank you for listening. I love you, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.